Welcome to Zichud Daf Siman Ravam Goldai and Tirmer Zechus Yavamis Daf Kufiyat Tess. The first Daf in the sixteenth and final parak of the Masechta Aisha Basra. So the three Daf's we're going to focus on number one. The next Mishnah states Aisha Shalach Ba'al Vetsarasal Minyan Sayam. A woman whose husband and sorrow went overseas, and people came and said to her, "Your husband died." She may not marry a stranger nor be taken in Yibum until she determines whether her tsar is pregnant. The more is that while it's understandable that she may not be taken in Yibum, for perhaps her tsar is pregnant and she and her Yibum will be transgressing the Isra Beshazach, but why may she not marry a stranger? If the concern is that her tsar may not be pregnant so that she's high to be taken in Yibum, I could say, Follow the majority of women, and the majority of women do conceive and give birth. Therefore, it's safe to assume that Tsar gave birth to a viable child overseas, and she's exempt from Yibam and permitted to a stranger. The Gemara says that the mission is going according to Rabbi Merit, the Chayshim in Utah, who's concerned for the minority, but according to the Rabban who go according to the majority, the widow would be permitted to a stranger. Pointing to the Gemara suggests that the mission could even be in accordance with the Rabban. For when did they go after the rove? It's only in a case of Ruba de Eitzakaman, a rove that is before us, like the case of nine stores or a Sanhedrin. The case of nine stores is when meat is found in the street and it's not known whether it comes from one of nine stores that sells kosher meat or from the one store that sells treif. The case of the Sanhedrin is when a Sanhedrin of 23 judges rule and 12 judges vote for acquittal and 11 to convict. In both cases, the majorities are before us and we can rule the meat as kosher and the person is acquitted. But in a case where the majority is not before us, such as in our case, where the majority is based on the premise that most women in the world conceive and give birth, the Rabban do not follow the majority. The Gemara rejects this, for the Rabban permit a minor to do Yibum based on the following majority that is not before us. Since the majority of young boys are not Sirisim and the majority of young girls are not Elanios, they may perform Yibum without concern that one may be, and if they were to do Yibum, they would be doing an Isra with an Erva. The Gemara therefore concludes that our mission is only in accordance with the Rebbe Mer. And pointing with you, the next mission states, Shte Yabamos, if the wives of two brothers return from overseas, Zomers Meis Bali, Zomers Meis Bali. This one says, my husband died, and this one says, my husband died. Zo Asur Bifnei Bali Shozo, Zo Asur Bifnei Bali Shozo. This one is prohibited to marry a stranger on account of that one's husband, and that one is prohibited to marry a stranger on account of this one's husband. Rashi explains that each woman is prohibited, for perhaps each brother-in-law is alive, and they are having Yibum. They cannot rely on each other's testimony, since we learn in the mission that one of the women who is not believed to give testimony that another woman's husband has died is her Yabimta, her brother-in-law's wife. Rashi explained earlier that brothers' wives tend to dislike each other since they might become each other's sorrow in the event of Yibum and are suspect of trying to entrap one another into a forbidden relationship. So once again, the three points are number one. The next Mishnah states, A woman whose husband and sorrow went overseas, and people came and said to her, Your husband died. She may not marry a stranger, nor be taken in Yibum until she determines whether her tsar is pregnant. The more is that while it's understandable that she may not be taken in Yibum, for perhaps her tsar is pregnant, and she and her Yibum will be transgressing the Ezra Beshazach, but why may she not marry a stranger? If the concern is that her tsara may not be pregnant, so that she's high to be taken in Yibum, I could say, Follow the majority of women, and the majority of women do conceive and give birth. Therefore, it's safe to assume that Tsar gave birth to a viable child overseas, and she's exempt from Yibum and permitted to a stranger. The Gemara says that the mission is going according to Rabbi Merit, the Chayshim in Utah, who's concerned for the minority, but according to the Rabban who go according to the majority, the widow would be permitted to a stranger. 
Pointing to the Gemara suggests that the Mishnah could even be in accordance with the Rabban. For when did they go after the robe? It's only in a case of Ruba de Esakaman, a robe that is before us. Like the case of nine stores or a Sanhedrin. The case of nine stores is when meat is found in the street and it's not known whether it comes from one of nine stores that sells kosher meat or from the one store that sells treif. The case of the Sanhedrin is when a Sanhedrin of 23 judges rule and 12 judges vote for acquittal and 11 to convict. In both cases, the majorities are before us and we can rule the meat is kosher and the person is acquitted. But in a case where the majority is not before us, such as in our case, where the majority is based on the premise that most women in the world conceive and give birth, the Rabban do not follow the majority. The Gemara rejects this, for the Rabban permit a minor to do Yibum based on the following majority that is not before us. Since the majority of young boys are not Serisim and the majority of young girls are not Elanios, they may perform Yibum without concern that one may be, and if they were to do Yibum, they would be doing an Isra with an Erba. The Gemara therefore concludes that our mission is only in accordance with the Rebbe Meir. And pointing with you, the next mission states, Shte Yabamos, if the wives of two brothers return from overseas, Zomers Meis Bali, Zomers Meis Bali. This one says, my husband died, and this one says, my husband died. Zo Asur Bifne Bao Shozo, Zo Asur Bifne Bao Shozo. This one is prohibited to marry a stranger on account of that one's husband, and that one is prohibited to marry a stranger on account of this one's husband. Rashi explains that each woman is prohibited, for perhaps each brother-in-law is alive and they are having Yibum. They cannot rely on each other's testimony since we learn in the mission that one of the women who is not believed to give testimony that another woman's husband has died is her Yibimta, her brother-in-law's wife. Rashi explained earlier that brothers' wives tend to dislike each other since they might become each other's sorrow in the event of Yibum and are suspect of trying to entrap one another into a forbidden relationship. Alright, so now we go to our Simmerdov Kufya test and our standard simmon is a kite. A kite. So here goes. The woman whose husband died overseas and decided to fly a kite while she was waiting to hear if her tsar was pregnant was embarrassed when it flew over nine kosher stores in one tray one and landed on a piece of meat right in between the wives of two brothers who claimed their husbands had passed away. Once again, in slow motion. The woman whose husband died overseas and decided to fly a kite. A kite? That must be one duff. Kufiotes. The woman whose husband died overseas and decided to fly a kite while she was waiting to hear if her tsar was pregnant, which reminds us, the Mishnah stated, Ha'isha Shahak Baal of Tsarasal a woman whose husband and Sara went overseas and people came and said to her, your husband died, she can't marry a stranger nor be taken in Yibo until she determines whether her tsar is pregnant. The rest, why she may not marry a stranger? If the concern is that her tsar may not be pregnant so that she's high to be taken in Yibo, I could say, Follow the majority of women, and the majority of women do conceive and give birth. Therefore, it's safe to assume that Sarah gave birth to a viable child overseas, and she's exempt from Yibum and permitted to a stranger. The Gemara says the mission is going according to Rabbi Meir, the Chayshul Miyuta, who's concerned for the minority. But according to the Rabban, who go according to the majority, the widow would be permitted to a stranger. So, the woman whose husband died overseas and decided to fly a kite, while she was waiting to hear if her sorrow was pregnant, was embarrassed when it flew over nine kosher stores in one trade one and landed on a piece of meat, which reminds us. The Gemara suggests that the Mishnah could even be in accordance with the Rabbanan. For when did they go after the robe? It's only in a case of Ruba de Esakaman, a robe that is before us, like the cases of nine stores or Sanhedrin. The case of nine stores is when meat is found in the street and it's not known whether it comes from one of nine stores that sells kosher meat or from the one store that sells trade. But in both cases, the majorities are before us, and we can rule the meat is kosher, and the person is acquitted. But in a case where the majority is not before us, such as in our case, where the majority is based on the premise that most women in the world conceive and give birth, the Rabban do not fall on the majority. The Gemara rejects is proving that the Rabban go with Rove even when the majority is not before us. 
So the woman whose husband died overseas and decided to fly a kite while she was waiting to hear if her tsar was pregnant was embarrassed when it flew over nine kosher stores in one trade one and landed on a piece of meat right in between the wives of two brothers who claimed their husbands had passed away. Which reminds us, the next mission states that if the wives of two brothers return from overseas, and this one says, my husband died, and this one says, my husband died, this one is prohibited to marry a stranger on account of that one's husband, and that one is prohibited to marry a stranger on account of this one's husband. Rashi explains that each woman is prohibited, for perhaps each brother-in-law is alive, and they are chiving yibum. They cannot rely on each other's testimony, since we learn in the mission that one of the women who is not believed to give testimony that another one's husband has died is her yibimta, her brother-in-law's wife. So once again, the woman whose husband died overseas and decided to fly a kite while she was waiting to hear if her tsar was pregnant was embarrassed when it flew over nine kosher stores in one trade one and landed on a piece of meat right in between the wives of two brothers who claimed their husbands had passed away. All right, now it's time for four blabach hazara. Daf Kuftes Vav. So the simon Daf Kuftes Vav is a katoris maker. So here goes. The katoris maker's wife, katoris maker, that must be on Daf Kuftes Vav. The Ketoris maker's wife, who said there was a war going on, where her husband had died, which reminds us, the Gemara asks, If a woman established for us that there was a war in some part of the world, what is the halacha regarding believing her that her husband died in the war? The Gemara attempts to bring a proof from a case where a woman is believed when she says that she and her husband were attacked by idolaters or leased him and her husband was killed. The Gemara rejects this proof, saying the reason we believe her in this case is that she stayed with her husband until he actually died. As Ravidi said, A woman's weapons are always upon her. The Mepharshim explained that it's presumed that the idolaters or bandits will spare her life to have illicit relations with her. Therefore, she could remain with her husband to see that he died and not need to flee like she would in the case of a war. So the Ketoris maker's wife, who said there was a war going on where her husband had died, was approached by two women for per- perfume, since they smelled like fish from being at sea, where they identified true drowned men. Which reminds us, the Gemara asks, what's the luck regarding an aid echad, a single witness who testifies to a husband's death during wartime? The Gemara brings an incident where the wives of Tutacham and Chukami were permitted to remarry based on the testimony of women who saw them drown. Now, since drowning is akin to dying at war, and the testimony of women, even 100 women, is considered like the testimony of one witness, we see that one witness is believed that a husband died at war. The more rejects this answer, saying the situation was where the woman said they brought the bodies up in our presence, and we saw them immediately while they were still identifiable, and they said the simanim, the marks had identified them as the Talmud Therefore, the rabbis did not rely on their testimony, but on the simanim they saw. So the Katoris maker's wife, who said there was a war going on where her husband had died, was approached by two women for perfume since they smelled like fish from being at sea, where they identified two drowned men, with the exact same names as two other men who were traveling. Which reminds us, Yitzhak Reish Galusa, the son of the sister of Bivi, was going from Katava to Aspamia when he died. They sent the following message from there. Yitzhak Reish Galusa from Katava died. The Gemara asks, do we need to suspect there are two Yitzhaks or not? Abai said we must be concerned, and Rava says we do not need to be concerned. Daf Kuftezayin. So the similar Daf Kuftezayin is a barber giving haircuts. So here goes. The barber, barber, that must be more Daf Kuftezayin. Barber giving haircuts. The barber listening to his customer talk about the strife he was having with his wife, which reminds the Mishnah Daf Kufya Dal Amambe stated, If there was conflict between him and her and peace in the world, the wife is not believed to say her husband died when they were overseas. The Gemara here asks, What is considered conflict between him and her? And concludes that it's when she says, You've divorced me in the presence of pony and pony. And when the witnesses are asked, they say, It never happened. So the barber listening to his customer talk about the strife he was having with his wife 
overheard the judge waiting for a haircut advise a woman on the phone to dress up and look like a mourner. Which reminds us of what the Mishnah said regarding a woman testifying that her husband died overseas. She's never believed it unless she comes weeping with her clothing torn. The Chamin responded, Whether one woman displays signs of mourning and another does not, they're both believed and are permitted to marry. The Gemara cites an incident with a woman who came to Abihuda's basin to testify that her husband had died. Some rabbis there at the basin told her to show signs of mourning by crying over her husband, tearing her clothing, and disheveling her hair. These were but held like the Chamin that she's believed without showing signs of mourning. But they knew Rebuta would not permit her to marry unless she showed such signs. So the barber listening to his customer talk about the strife he was having with his wife overheard the judge waiting for a haircut advise a woman on the phone to dress up and look like a mourner. And that it was okay her husband died during the olive harvest and not the grain harvest. Which reminds us, the next mission states that Beis Hillel said regarding believing a woman who testifies about her husband's death, We have not heard this tradition except in a case where she comes in the grain harvest and in the same country, as were the circumstances in the case which is the basis for this ruling. The Gemara explains that before Beis Hillel retracted this ruling, the rationale was that a woman would be afraid to lie in a place where the incident occurred because her testimony could be contradicted by others. Beis reply would be she would still be afraid to lie even where she testifies that he had died in a different country, because caravans bringing people from that country are common. Daf Kuf Yud Zayin. So the Simon Daf Kuf Yud Zayin is a Gabai with a set of keys. So here goes. The Gabai's wife. Gabai's wife. That must be on Daf Kuf Yud Zayin. Gabai with a set of keys. The Gabai's wife, who was not permitted to remarry when she came to Baston and said, my husband, who loved his keys more than me, died, give me my ksuba, which reminds us. The Mishnah states regarding to what extent a woman is believed when she testifies that her husband has died, Beisham may say, she may marry and collect her ksuba. Rav Nachman said, but if she said, my husband died, give me my ksuba, we do not give her the ksuba and we do not even permit her to marry. The reason is a daita ksuba asai. She came to Basin for the purpose of collecting her ksuba. Rashi explains that she had come for a monetary issue, which requires two witnesses. So the Gabai's wife, who was not permitted to remarry when she came to Basin and said, My husband, who loved his keys more than me, died. Give me my ksuba. Nor was permitted to marry when her father-in-law's daughter testified that he passed away, which reminds us. The next mission of the Daf states regarding testifying that a woman's husband had died, Everyone is believed to testify for her, except her mother-in-law, her mother-in-law's daughter, her tsar, her yavin's wife, and her stepdaughter. Rush explains that they're not believed since they hate her and intend to cause her harm by lying. The Gemara asks what the halach is with regard to Abbas Chamiya, her father-in-law's daughter from a different wife, and leaves a question unresolved. So the Gabai's wife, who was not permitted to remarry when she came to Basin and said, my husband who left his keys more than me, died, give me my ksuba, nor was permitted to marry when her father-in-law's daughter testified that he had passed away, was finally permitted to marry when a single witness testified to his death, even though a second one came after and contradicted his testimony. Which reminds us, the Gemara explains that if one witness testified saying he died, and Basin permitted her to marry on that basis. And then a second witness comes before she remarries and testifies to the contrary. She does not leave her original state of Heter. This is because, as Zula said, Wherever the Torah believes a single witness, it's as though there are two witnesses there. Therefore, even if a second witness comes and testifies to the contrary, the words of one witness are not significant relative to the words of two witnesses. So the similar Daf Kuf Yod Ches is Kichol. So here goes.
When the Tsars came back from overseas and the first wife said her husband died from eating too much herring and kechol kechol, that must be more daf kufyerches. When the Tsars came back from overseas and the first wife said her husband died from eating too much herring and kechol and the second one said he did not die, which reminds us the mission on the bottom of daf kufyerzayin on the base stated regarding two Tsars who were overseas with her husband and then returned, if one of the wives said regarding her husband he died and then one said he did not die, the one who says he died may marry and collect ksuba, and the one who said he did not die may not marry nor collect ksuba. The Gemara answers that the case of the second Tsar saying he did not die was needed, for we might have thought that the second Tsar knows that the husband is dead. But she said he did not die because she intends to ruin the first Tsara, hoping that she'll have to remain an Aguna, even though she's hurting herself as well. And she is saying, like Shimshon said, Thomas Navshi in Plishtim, let my soul die with the Plishtim. Therefore, the Mishnah is teaching that in this case, the second Tsara can still not remarry. So when the Tsars came back from overseas and the first wife said her husband died from eating too much herring and kechel, and the second one said he did not die, Basin recalled how this man was Makadish, one of five women with kechel, which reminds us the third mission on the Daf states, Kiddush Akhaz Machamish Nashim, Kiddush, if one was Makadish, one of five women does not know which one he was Makadish, and each one says, Osi Kiddush, he was Makadish me, he gives a get to each one and places a super payment between them and withdraws a coin to Rabbi Tarf. The Mephoshim explained that he doesn't literally place the money between them, but rather he places the money before them in basin and challenges each one to prove that she's the one who's entitled to Ksuba. Rikiva says, This way will not get him out of doing an Avera until he gives a get and the Ksuba payment to each and every one. A similar case is brought regarding a man who stole from one of five people and can't remember who, and they all claim that he stole from them. So when the Tsars came back from overseas and the first wife said her husband died from eating too much herring and kechel, and the second one said he did not die, Basin recalled how this man was Makadish, one of five women with kechel. And even though he always complained that Kirchel wasn't crispy enough, his wives preferred to stay married to him instead of being single. Which reminds us that Gemara taught that if one grants a get to his wife through a third party in a place where there's strife between the husband and the wife, it's not a schos for the wife. As Rishakish said, It's better to live as two bodies than to live alone. A woman prefers to stay in a difficult marriage than to be single. All right, so that concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Ramgol. Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.